This is Unclaimed Bands, show 175. Hey music listeners, this is Sean from Unclaimed Bands, and tonight my guest is Xander Demos. How you doing today? I'm doing fine, how about yourself? I cannot complain, you know, it's uh, it's springtime and uh, music's starting to happen outdoors now, which is always a good thing. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just looking forward to the summer festivals and stuff like that, you know. I, I know, I mean, I could I could use a little bit more springtime weather because I'm in my office looking outside. I see the wind blowing and it looks cold, and I've been out already once today and it was cold, so. <laughs> That's certainly no fun. Well, I'll tell you well, what, uh, before we jump into the whole interview here and get into the nitty-gritty of it, why don't we um, give everybody a taste of uh, your music? Uh, what are we going to let them hear? Um, why don't we let them hear the latest, which is Answer Your Daggers. How's that sound? That sounds great. Let's spin it.
All right. See, that's how that pause works. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. It's, a, it's just so much easier when we're talking to people and I don't have a whole band because <laughs> then everybody starts cracking up laughing. Um, no. I... <laughs> you, I'm sure you understand. <clears throat> You've done enough oh, yeah. interviews. So. Um, well, tell you what. Why don't you tell us something about that song? Well, yeah, so Dancing Through Daggers is kind of an interesting uh, interesting tune. It's sort of, a, it's like the song that I guess you could say, um, you know, kind of started the the next part of my uh, musical career. I mean, I, the first thing I did was Guitarcadia, um, which was going to be a primarily an instrumental album with maybe one or two vocal tracks thrown on there, and that's exactly what, you know, what it turned out to be. Um, but the, the, the other, the bad part about that was just the... Um, uh, as as that happened, it, it became harder, increasingly harder to maybe go out there and support um, that type of uh, that type of stuff. Especially in Pittsburgh, it's a small town. I mean, it really you know, instrumental music isn't exactly you know setting the world on fire. And you know, a lot of cities you have to be part of festivals and stuff like that. Um, that has to be the right audience and stuff. So, so there was a challenge there. And uh, Dancing with Daggers was going to be like the effort for like a new band and stuff like that. So that's that's really what it was. I mean, it was like kind of like the ushering in, in the new era. But that era is uh, over right now, so I'm kind of back to doing solo stuff. So now, um, so like, that song kind of like sticks out, you know, just by itself. I have a six-song EP that's coming up, and it's going to have a couple covers, a couple original cover, a couple original vocal tunes, and a couple original instrumentals. So um, this is going to be one of those things, though, like where I truly feel like all six songs that are on the EP are going to be very strong. Nice. I was going to ask you with uh, with guitar. Guitar Acadia, I always have problems with words like that. Um, <laughs> you know, that's such a, a guitar shredding like masterpiece. Um, what was the creative oh, process like for that? And then how did that shape your opinion? I mean, I think you've already answered it, but if you can go a little bit more, how did that shape your outlook on creating the new EP? Um, well, you know, the, first of all, the experience of recording it was, was, was great. You know what I mean? The experience of doing like you know, uh, Guitarcadia was, it was, it was my own thing with my baby first, you know what I mean? So it was like, uh, it was, but it was also virgin territory for me because I was, I was responsible. I wasn't with a band, you know what I mean? Like where I just, they said, hey, Andrew, you got to come into your guitar tracks. Hey, you got to come into your solos. Hey, we might need you on, you know, uh, vocals like this at this one point. This was the kind of thing where, you know, I had like a ton of creative freedom at the same time. Um, you know, I had I really had to be disciplined in a lot of in a lot of ways. So with the six song EP this time, I mean, it was more like it said. It, I, I I allowed some band influence on on the previous recordings I did. This time, I just said, you know what, this is my stuff. I'm gonna I'm, I'm putting it out the way I want. Um, you know, I've I've had some great musicians come in and give me a hand on stuff, and uh, you know, so I was able to like divvy out like the way I want to vocals on certain things. Um, you know, share, I mean, and yeah, as, as time has gone on, I mean, you know, the internet and all that kind of stuff, Dropbox and other ways to share files, and large files with that. I mean, just it, sharing ideas is, it, it's different now. So it, it's even more different than it was a couple of, uh, a couple of years ago, you know, when I did guitar Arcadia. So this, this, this experience is a lot, it's a lot better. Like, you know, it, recording guitars is almost, uh, it's, I, I don't have to worry about micing stuff up because I use the fractal audio aspects. Uh, you know, I expect to. Um, so yeah, I get all these great tones in this little, little tiny box, and you know th that part of the recording process is just so awesome. You know, you just can't say enough 
cool things about it, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's take it back a little bit further than that. Um, you know, from the uh, from the beginning, uh, what was it, or when did you discover that music and picking up the guitar was going to be your calling? Well, wow, uh, that that I don't know. <laughs> that started back in the early '80s. Um, it was just one of those things where I really I knew it was something I really wanted to do, and I knew I wanted to do it. And uh, um, I started out on drums, but I sucked pretty terribly at it. And um, I, you know, I tried guitar, and I there was something about it that felt a little bit more natural to me. And at the, you know, at the time, I mean, I, I grew up listening to bands like Journey and Boston and Night Ranger and, you know, so very early 80s stuff. And uh, and I've kind of gone back to that. I mean, like, some of the originals I write, I mean, they have that um, pop that pop mentality, you know, but they, they have a harder edge, too, you know. So it's like, um, you know, how could it say? Like, that, at that point, like, I knew that guitar was the right thing I wanted to do. Because it just, it not only did it look cool on MTV, but it just, there was something about it. It was like very expressive. It's very, uh, without sounding too, you know, corny about it, but it was, there was something, you know, about playing guitar that, um, it just, if it, like I said, it felt very natural. I didn't feel like I was struggling in the beginning. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm a, not a better player than I was 30 years ago, but, but, you know, because I, I'm now educated, you know, I'm seasoned, but I feel like yeah. I'm seasoned. So back then, I, I did feel like it was, it was very natural to pick up and like learn a song, and it's like, oh, okay, I can figure the song out or whatever. You know, so was, that was that was a cool thing. So it motivated me more, you know. Well, you know, listening to your music, you can certainly hear the you know the range from rock to metal to pop, and uh, and you have very you know you got elements of a very classic you know heavy metal sound. Um, so, I mean, you can certainly hear that, you know, you just didn't show up recently, okay? But, but uh, you, you know, who would you consider, like, to be your, your, your influences and, 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 you know, from then, maybe when you first started on guitar, and then, you know, who influences you or inspires you now? Um, I mean, when I started, I mean, we were, we were talking about, like, you know, Brad Gillis and Tom Schultz and, and uh, Neil Sean, Eddie Van Halen. I mean, like, those were, like, the early influences, and it, it, it kind of went into the more of the metal guys, you know, at that point, and, you know, Ingve came along and screwed everything up for everybody because it was so awesome. And it was like, oh, my God, we all got to play like this now. And, you know, in the late, by the time the late 80s rolled around, I really got into the shrapnel guys. I mean, that was like the dawn of, like, a new, you know, of, of a new world there. You know what I mean? It was, it was it was new territory being broken. I mean, you know, just in a 10-year span, the style of guitar it just exploded from like just like look at it from like 1978 to like 1988. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Was, you know, and then for you know then the grunge kind of kicked in and guitar really took a backseat to a lot of stuff like you know edu- what I consider like educated guitar. Um, uh, when that took a backseat, uh, it, it, it allowed some people to roll with the changes at the time, but then some people like myself just I, I just kept playing the whole shred thing, you know, and or whatever you want to call it. And when it kind of came back around, I was a much more seasoned player now, mm-hmm. you know. And so that was uh, that was that was pretty cool. That was a, it was a cool part of that, you know, to be able to uh, you know, to go and uh, and now say, hey, look, you know, guitar playing is cool again. And wait, who's this clown Xander? You know, we want to who's this guy? Where was he in the eighties? Oh, well, he you know he wasn't around. You know, he was just a kid <laughs> or something. And, you know, I started playing in a lot of, you know, bands that were getting, like, these flat bodies and stuff like that. It was great. You know, you for for all the time that you've uh, been playing, you've certainly you know racked up a lot of accomplishments. I mean, over the past few years, you've supported such acts as Striper, 
Metal Church, Lizzie Borden, UFO. You've played many festivals, uh, you know, including Metal Jam or, you know, NAM Metal Jam. And, and you've been on different shows and everything else like this. And trust me, I'm very honored to have you, you know, on here as well. But what uh, what do you think? Uh, what's your next journey, do you think? Well, um, I would say, uh, I, you know, I would love to be able to get in a band that's, you know, that's doing some touring, um, that's doing some recording. And it'd be part of that, because, and as, as long as I can still kind of do my solo thing, because, um, you know, really, I just, uh, I have to have that creative outlet to record instrumentals and compositions like that. Um but, uh, you know, I, I think the next thing is, is, is to be able to get out there and, and do, uh, you know, do, do some touring with a band, you know, like some, maybe some other style of music, you know, somebody says, Xander's a metal guy, but we're going to, you know, we're more poppy and we want to, you know, we want to play here because we know he's accomplished enough to be able to play this material. Or it could be like a metal band that, you know, gets on some festivals and stuff like that. You know, they have me as their hired gun or whatever. I mean, it doesn't sound like a very lofty goal. I mean, it would be great to be a part of something, but, I've already gone down that road of, of trying to put together like a, you know, like a, a superhuman band, like Dream Theater, and it just, you know, it's very hard to keep people together, you know. Yeah, and, things uh, like that always are. Right. Well, you know, I mean, now if you, now if you obviously, if you want to look for to be part of another band or work with a, you know, another group of musicians, I mean, it's obviously it's a different dynamic and everything else like that. But are you going to be able to find time? Because right now, I mean. You you also or did you also still play in two different tribute bands, correct? I did, yeah. Do you yeah, still do I, that or? I don't. Um, I don't officially belong to any one tribute band now. I have a cover band here in Pittsburgh called Raised on Radio, and we're you know we're just rehearsing right now. It's a kind of a chill situation, but the beautiful thing about it is, um, you know, we're, we do like a lot of journey stuff. So you know, the Raised on Radio name comes from. Um, but uh, one of the coolest parts about it is we are the, the people we have in this band are so are um, are so talented uh, that we we're doing stuff that a lot of bands can't do. And I'm not saying that the, these other bands suck. I'm, no. just, I'm just saying that they don't have like the they may not have the ability like vocal wise. I mean, you could get like four, five, six people in the band around here or anywhere else. And and they can probably you know throw down musically and sound you know terrific, but you know you get them all. I mean, like maybe only one or two of those people in that band can actually sing. Mm-hmm. But we got a band full of four singers, you know, more accomplished singers, and so we can do all these like really intense, crazy harmonies, you know, pull off songs that, like I said, a lot of people can't do just because they don't have like music vocal abilities. Yep. You know, and, they, and I've seen some bands around here that I mean, especially in Pittsburgh. I'm not definitely going to mention any names, but they cheat like like hell. I mean, it, it really pisses me off sometimes, but at the same time, you know, they're making two grand, 2500 a show, uh, and, and the audience is grabs ass, you know what I mean? They're, they're just like, they're out there dancing, shaking their ass, having a great time, but, um, you know, they're playing their, like, backing tracks, so they sound fuller, and I see three or four people on stage, and I'm thinking, well, how the hell are they doing this, you know? And, you know, then I, you know, I learned about, I, you know, I slapped myself upside the head and said, hey, wait a second, 2010 or 2012 or whatever. You know, it's the age of click tracks and all that kind of stuff. And I think that the audience, like you said, they don't care. And I don't think that it's disingenuous. People, my other folks I've played with do think it is. I mean, if you can have four people like Van Halen go up and, and put a wall of sound out there to you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that's like true performers, you know. And I think that age is kind of dead, unfortunately. 
so with Raised on Radio, you know, we do all cover tunes, but, you know, we do all, um, you know, we do a great deal of, uh, like, cool cover tunes, you know, not just like, oh, we got to play this song so people dance. Yeah. More like, no, let's put the song to tear people's heads off first, and then we'll play a song like that. Gotcha, gotcha. And that's the way it should be. I, I believe, too. I agree with you. Too many, yeah. too many bands get people up and dancing, and they're really kind of crappy. Okay, when it comes to that, but you know what I mean. It, it, it just got boring to me, you know. No, I trust me. I can understand. If someone listening, it, it, it got boring to me too. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't see too many cover bands. Um, you know, my work doesn't allow for it either too many times. But, uh, but I, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. Tell you what, why don't we uh, take a pause and let everybody listen to another song? Uh, what are we going to let them hear this time? Um, well, last stick with like uh, maybe like a vocal thing. How about Under Dark and Sky? All right, this is Under Dark and Sky. Trail we made through 
All right, that was Under Darkened Sky. Uh, Xander, where's the best place for people to keep in touch with you and find out what's going on? Um, best place is going to be on Facebook, um, basically uh, facebook.com slash Music. Um, I also have a website that's simply xanderdemus.com. Um, the, uh, I, need, I, need, I need to do some updates <laughs> on that site, and I will get those, uh, I'll, I'll get those updates out there and uh, so people can actually see you know, like the new stuff that's going on and um, make sure everything is pretty, uh, you know, like pretty current. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, people, after this interview, make sure you go over there to the site, bookmark it, save it for later, check back frequently for updates. Um, I mean, you certainly, you know, back onto accomplishments and, and everything. I, I, I want to bring up at least one more thing here. I mean, you have your own signature guitar. That's that's mm-hmm. incredible. That's great. Can can you tell us how did that come about with your collaboration with uh, McNaught Guitars? Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, what happened there was. Um, uh, a long time ago, I really got into, uh, I, I, I got into like not guitars back in like the late nineties and he was a young guitar builder and he was working for, um, a guy that, you know, gave him some startup uh, capital, I think is what happened originally. And, um, his guitars were like, I was always the kind of guy, like I loved the eighties guitar, like the, the Kramer Night Swans and the Hammer Californians and the Jackson soloists and all those really cool guitars that. You know, when you're a kid and you ask your parents for one and it's like $1,200 and they think you're out of your freaking mind, you know, asking for a guitar like that. But then, you know, as time goes on, you know, those those guitars like Paul Reed Smith and McNaught and all these other high-end guitars like three grand, you know, you better you better well have a, a job that can pay for it, you know. Um, but in reality, uh, it was the kind of thing that uh, – I saw the, I saw these guitars from McNaught, and there was something about them that just looked so like sexy, you know. Like he had this one guitar called Tempest, and he had like all these other models. And I just I just had to have one, you know. I just there was something about it I just had to have. And uh, so I ended up asking him about this one particular guitar called the Tempest, and he said he wasn't you know he wouldn't want to make it anymore. I thought that kind of sucked, but I stayed in touch with Dave. He's a terrific guy. Uh, I ended up buying a different model off of him, and then as time went on through 2000 and stuff, um, in the late 2000s, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to go ahead and make one of these guitars for you. It's going to be like a one-off. I said, oh, that's awesome, and he did. And then we talked about it, and, you know, he you know, he told me, like, as you know, as my career was sort of, you know, going, he said, you know, you're one of my favorite guitar players, you know, Randy Rhodes and Paul Gilbert and you. And I was like, wow, that's a great compliment because it's a great company to be in. And, um he just said, I want to, you know, I want to build your signature guitar. What will you have in mind if we would do it? So we started talking about it in 2010. And then in 2012, I ended up getting the seven string delivered to my door. That was just, you know, it exceeded every expectation I ever had as far as a guitar went. And I said, I called him the next day. I said, I can't, I can't believe this. I said, can you start building me a six string? And he said, yes, I will start building that for you now. And he's a one man shop. I mean, you know, because he has to kind of go with the ebb and flow of the economy, you know. And uh, so I think he's actually got one of his guys working for him again, and Dave Mansell, who does finishes, does a phenomenal job. So they can start putting guitars out. Well, the cool thing was, is, you know, like on the forums and, you know, the Facebook and other parts of the Internet, people would say, hey, check out the, you know, XD guitars from the It's like new. And then people are like, what the hell does the XD stand for? And someone says, oh, it's Andrew Demon's signature model. And they're like, well, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> you know? And um, so it kind of works in you know, two ways because they're they're it's promoting me to check you know 
for people to check my music out at the same time. Um, it's, it's a guitar that was attractive to a lot of people. So he's like sold, I think, up, you know, maybe like half a dozen so far, you know, and I think that's really cool. I mean, it's, you know, it's really cool that somebody said, hey, I like this guitar. I want, you know, I, I really like the styling of it. And it's not like I sent him a template. I just, I sent him some ideas of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're sort of like co-conspirators and the whole thing. Uh, but it feels good to be a part of that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's great that that you know you guys both benefit from doing this together, and and you know he loved what you're doing, you loved his guitars. That's right. that's really cool. That's yep. very cool that you actually get to have that kind of relationship with someone like that, uh, and you know, uh, and like I said, it works. Um, tell me, what was the, if you can, what's the first record you remember buying? First record I remember buying. Um, I, you know what, I, I know this, the very first record I owned, like the first vinyl record I owned was Journey Escape. Wow, okay. Yep. I bought it, and I, I think I asked my parents for it, I think for Christmas or something like that one year, and they, um, it, it, of all the things that, you know, that, that me being a kid, they screwed up, like, so terribly on birthdays and Christmas, they actually got that one right. <laughs> and, um... You know, it was kind of cool. Like, when I opened up, like, oh, sweet. You know, they got the right album. <laughs> and, uh, you know, back then, when you're 12 years old, um, it's like, you know, when you're 12, and, you know, nowadays, a 12-year-old can go get, an, you know, their own MP3, and they, they have their own iPhone. But, you know, when you're 12 years old in 1981, uh, getting, you know, a, a vinyl record was a big deal. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't care how I don't care how rich or poor you are. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just like, uh, yeah, so to me, that was like a big deal. And I look, I look back on that you know, now and I mean, I have the remastered, I think I have a second remastered CD of, uh, of Escape, you know, and it has like a bonus track on it and stuff like that. So I mean, that, you know, yeah, the quality of it now is better and all that, but it's still, it was, a, it was a glorious time, you know, and that, but that was the first. And I still have, um, unfortunately I actually don't have that, but I think I have some of the other vinyl, right? that you know was in and out of my collection that's cool that you got that and you know a lot of a lot of people we just just always interesting to see what uh what people were into when they uh when they first could get get a hold of music themselves make their choices um tell me you know if you could and and this was you had to what three words would you use to describe your music i would say it's it's um high energy guitar rock Good, good. I like that. I I totally yeah, agree with that description. Because honestly, I, Sean, I have to I have to completely drop the whole shred label. I mean, it was cool for a while, but I don't want I don't want to be pigeonholed as a shredder. No, 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 no. I, I I just brought it up for that, and it, certainly anybody listening to the music knows that that's not you know the case anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. You know, and I, I don't I don't mind people saying that because a lot of times when that when that um, when people do say that. Um, it is like, it is like saying, well, hey, the guy is accomplished, he's, you know, he's a good player or whatever, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, but at the same time, I don't want someone to just think that, you know, as soon as the solo section comes in, I'm going to like do a, do an Ingve kick and, uh, you know, a Brett <laughs> Michael spin and I'm going to roll into a, uh, you know, like a solo that I'm going to be using all eight fingers on a fretboard the whole time. I mean, no, there's a time and place for that. Yeah, that's and, true. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more like... I like a soaring melody, and then I like to be able to like throw people a curveball. Um, and you know, I mean, it was kind of funny. I was reading an old an old interview 
uh, an old review of the track that I did with, um, with Liberty and Justice mm-hmm. on that uh, double, double compilation that has like a bunch of uh, great, you know, hair metal stars on it. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to be part of that, and I did this, um, this track called Sucker Punched. And it, that song, you know, it was uh, Jerry Dixon playing bass from Warrant. Uh, Rick Stitch from Hotel Diablo was the, um, uh, was the singer. And I think uh, J.K. Northrup was doing the rhythm guitar. Mm-hmm. He, he's actually the guy that, you know, I'm from Daggers. He's the one that actually uh, uh, mixed and engineered that tune. But anyway, on that particular track, um, that solo is sort of like what I'm more about. You know, there's like some melody lines, some cool little, you know, melodies in there. And then I, I roll into this lick that I, it was one of those things that when I nailed it in, the, in my studio, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I got it, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was it was like a, it was like one of those moments. And, you know, it, no guitar player likes to sit there and say, oh, damn, I killed it. You know what I mean? They, they, but they, I think it was in that moment, like when I heard the finished product, I was like, wow. I, you know, I thought the solo sounded really cool and put the song, but now, you know, now I like it even more. And I read, read this one review where the one guy said it was one of the highlights. And I was like, wow, that's, that's super cool. You know, so that, that little experience made me feel really good about you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, it should. It should when you get a good review like that. That's, yeah. you know what I mean? It's validation for what, you, uh, what you're what you working on. And that's always a good thing. Right. Nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, before we wrap everything up here, is there anything you want to say to your fans? Um, keep, uh, yes, keep, I, I guess, uh, keep your eye on xanadimus.com. Um, I'm going to be releasing a lot of information on there about uh, about the EP that I'm doing. Um, and if you don't mind, Sean, I'd like to actually uh, send you maybe a teaser track uh, from the EP. Um, a little teaser sample, about 30 seconds of one of the originals and about 35, 40 seconds of one of the uh, uh, cover tunes. Oh, that'd be great. Okay. I, I'd, I'd sure love it. That, uh, that, that you. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, Xander, I want to thank you for taking time to to do this, and I appreciate it. And thank you for uh, you know applying through Herb Nation. This is the only way we get to uh, meet such great artists like yourself. Uh, it's always a great great thing for me. Oh, my my pleasure, man. Anytime, and I'm, I I do appreciate you having me on. No problem. Uh, hey, everybody. Um, this is Sean from Unclean Ga- Bands. Yes, I'm from Unclean Bands. My guest has been Xander Demas. And uh, make sure you go to his website and check everything out and check his music and keep up with him. Okay? And uh, tune back in for more uh, great music and from great artists like Xander. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Xander. Thank you, Sean. The statements, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals and in no way reflect the views of unclaimed bands, its parent company, or subsidiaries.